0: Jonas Koffler is a New York Times and Los Angeles Times best-selling co-author of Hustle, The Power to Charge Your Life with Money, Meaning, and Momentum. He wrote it with a good friend, Neil Patel. We had him on episode 52. And this book really deals with the counterintuitive truths on personal innovation, psychological insights on growth, success, and Also, Jonas is a founding partner of Radical Wellness and co-host of the Mental Wellness Summit. He's worked with people like Dave Asprey, who we've had on the show, J.J. Virgin, and Dr. Mark Hyman. He's an award-winning media producer, writer, and partner at Koffler Pictures, focusing on documentary films and film series. Jonas is a stroke survivor turned yoga practitioner, meditator and spiritual seeker. Jonas continues to be a leading voice in driving healing and human potential and his work has impacted the lives of people around the globe. I honestly think this is one of my favorite episodes ever, especially since we go really really deep with mental health, mental wellness. I don't think this is an episode to miss out on in every single sense of the way. And while you're listening to this, if anything sticks out to you, take a screenshot, put it up on your Instagram story on LinkedIn, and be sure to tag both Jonas and I. Without further ado, episode one ninety four with Jonas Koffler. So Jonas, the first question that I like to ask my guests is how do you spend your time here on planet Earth?
1: Wow. Uh, So that's a great first question. Uh, And we'll begin in the beginning. So I think I was born into this world to impact other people's lives and to also be curious. And I think in terms of spending my time, it's definitely split between those two pieces, right? So it's impacting others, whether it's influencing or, or helping them improve their lives in some level uh, or um, the other side of it is just simple exploration having curiosity and learning more about the world and about people I think those are sort of the intertwining things if that makes sense to you um, but in terms of spending my time here you know that uh, provokes some other ideas you know one is that time is very finite and we'll get more into that uh, as we, we talk today but I think it's valuing and having incredible Gratitude for the limited time that we have. So, with that as sort of the a jumping off point, um, you know, it's the, the clock is ticking for all of us. Many of us lose sight of that, overlook it, or in denial of that reality. Um, some more acutely than others have fewer uh, tomorrows, uh, you know. And so, I think it's knowing that that clock is ticking is one of the, the primary drivers in my life.
0: That was a very interesting answer, Jonas. So, you know, when I take a look at, you know, kind of you on paper, I see someone who's done, you know, a wide variety of different things. But I mean, just for our and my understanding, you know, when you look back at your life, what do you see now with some of the defining, shaping circumstances and events and environments that? you know, made the Jonas that you know today?
1: I think there've been a number of interesting um, challenges, adversities, and uh, successes and opportunities that have shaped who I am. Some of them start back, you know, way, way back with my early childhood and having kind of an unconventional upbringing with um, artists and academics and um, thinkers and nonconformists. And this whole notion of movement was a big piece of my life. And that certainly shaped who I was. Um, and it's probably on sub uh, subconscious level or, or maybe on a more conscious level, why I really enjoy being somewhat itinerant and being able to sort of flow um, freely to some degree, um, which is to say that, uh, you know, there is this um, curiosity about the world that... <laughs> Provokes me, or prompts me, or helps me to continue to seeking and to 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 be on a path of seeking and exploring. And also, I think from early childhood, you know, when you're reared in in sort of um, a set of circumstances where uh, you're not the most rooted person, there are pros and cons to that. So, you know, from a sort of psychological perspective, it's like, you know, I've got to be really resilient on my own terms, and I also have to be able to to get to, uh, get along with people, uh, to be able to meet people effectively and uh, you know, learn to adapt to situations that are very new. So when you do that, you're able, I think, in some ways to, um, I don't know, to be better prepared for some of the adversities that will come later in life. That's like early childhood, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I lived in 14 states and three countries. I was able to meet a lot of people, do a lot of interesting things, uh, you know, study the world to some degree and, and learn what I could. Um, and then at the same time, you know, if we flash forward, having some serious health, uh, setbacks. So I had a stroke when I was in my, you know, mid twenties and, um, you know, thought everything was over. I was temporarily blinded. I couldn't articulate my thoughts. I, you know, lost my verbal capacity and abilities. Uh, you know, I was partly paralyzed and it was not a fun situation. How did that happen? Uh, so I had what's called an ischemic stroke. Uh, and that happened while I was at work uh, at a startup uh, <clears throat> in the e-learning space, company that I loved, and, and co- colleagues, and coworkers whom I loved and uh, really enjoyed working with. Uh, but it, you know, it's sort of like the, the Spanish Inquisition. You know, <laughs> no one expects them to show up, but when they when they do, uh, you know, <laughs> you better be ready. Uh, I wasn't ready. It was a real uh, wake up call for me, and um, I think it. You know, back to your initial question about. Like, what do you do at the time when you're, while you're here on earth? Like, what are you doing? Why are doing what you do? It all boils back to, well, you know, you better prioritize the things that are really important to you and the people that are really important to you and taking care of yourself, right? Self-care. Uh, and this idea that uh, for the, the, you know, have a quality of life. It's like, you know, you, you want to be surrounded by good people. You want to be surrounded by work that is meaningful and impactful in some way. And that, you know, to ensure at the end of the day, you 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 feel recovered and restored or recharged and energized to start again. And I think, you know, we all deal with some kind of stroke-like event in our lives. It may not be as profound uh, or as impactful as what happened to me, but I guarantee you that um, it's going to hit you if something's going to happen and, you know, the, the sky is going to fall. And it's, it often does, um, unexpectedly, and uh, and that, you know, either allows us to grow uh, immensely or to get very cynical or, you know, any variety of potential outcomes, but, you know, try to make the, the most and the most positive um, uh, learnings and understandings about yourself and about, um, you know, what you can do to, to persist. And that's really the, the key thing.
0: Someone I look up to says that, you know, these things are success taxes, so there's there's definitely a bad way that you can interpret that, but you know it's also like you know anything that ends up happening to you in your life, that's just a tax that you are crossing off the list, and sort of like what you noted there, it's going to help you out later in life. It's going to teach you, um, and ultimately be a a primary teacher in your life to guide you for the rest of your experience. And I think it's just about, um, you know, like while it's happening, it's definitely not a great thing, no matter what it is. Um, Jonas looking back at that and looking back at, you know, some of your hardest moments in life, you know, just from living that, like, what do you do when things become too overwhelmed or when, um, you know, if you ever experience anxiety or um, any kind of fear like that, where it seems like the world is sort of ending, if you know what I mean.
1: Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> it happens on a daily basis, if not hourly basis, right?
0: <laughs>
1: mm. um, yeah. In all seriousness, I think the first thing to do is to step back and get perspective. The world is not ending. Number one. Number two. Um, I've dealt with enough sort of minor adversities and major adversities to know that. You know, this too shall pass to, to you know, borrow from the Bible. But the other idea is um, that just because it's serious and it feels like, you know, the, the apocalypse doesn't mean it can't be funny. And I think it's important to be able to step away and to smile or reflect with some sense of humor about uh, life and about the world. It can be incredibly restorative because the reality is, <laughs> like, if you can't laugh at it, you're probably going to cry about it or get really angry. Uh, and anger has its place definitely it's a good survival tool you know uh, but so mm-hmm. too is humor for that matter uh, and and I, I think uh, just stepping away and getting a little perspective can be incredibly helpful. Um, not taking things too too seriously because nothing is that serious uh, except for death <laughs> and so that that's what I'd recommend and that's certainly how I operate and it's not to say I'm not flawed and have like you know tremendous failings. Um, certainly, I do, but at the same time, I think I've reached a point in my life where I can step away and get perspective, and again, not take things so so seriously.
0: Hmm. Well said, and I think it's a really big point. I think you need to have some sort of, you know, existential sense of humor. Uh, I had on this great guy on my podcast, JP Sears. Um, he's this comedian, you know. He made all these different viral videos, and we were sort of talking about that. And it really is essential, you know. The the pendulum can certainly swing too far in one direction, but I think you do need this balance of, you know, laughing every so once in a while, and then balancing it with the fact of, hey, you know, I'm gonna die. This isn't gonna last forever. I've got to be grateful and enjoy these moments
1: right and and the reality is that um the moments make us who we are and so uh you have to take the 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 joy and the pain because i think in in like in the end it's going to make you a better person and it's going to make your experience more richer and more meaningful and so if everything was like gravy how in in like in any way would we be able to appreciate things you know so it's like you need to be slapped in the face to be humbled we need to fail a lot. That's the, such a great uh, experience for learning every day. And so, you know, it's like being always being right or thinking you're always right and thinking you're always going to succeed in everything you do. I mean, that's fine as a premise. But when you don't, it's like that's when the real meaning happens. That's the discovery and the break. And you're like, ah, I get it now. I appreciate that at such a deeper level. Right. And I can actually laugh about it and be like, wow, yeah. thank you for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I had I had Neil Patel on, which you guys uh, are the co-authors of Hustle. So how did how did that get going?
1: Sure. So Neil's just a superhuman freak of nature, uh, incredibly talented guy. Um, (laughs) As is my other co-author, Patrick Klasnikits, as well. I mean, they're both just solid guys. Um, I think Mm. for us. You know, there are a number of things that, uh, circumstances that I think came together um, coincided and enable us to think about the world we were living in. Um, Why are things the way they are? How did we get to this point? Uh, And one of the things we were doing was talking about language, right? And so I have a background in linguistics and do a lot of work in the the intellectual property space, you know? And I think we are sort of ideating around like, um, what are some of the underpinnings or undercurrents that, uh, that are driving people to, to say what they say, to express themselves in a certain way, right? And so what are the cues and what kind of social listening can we do? How do we start mining like, the, sort of the value landscape around how people are expressing themselves, how they're applying that in the world, um, whether online or in the real world? And I think that you know, hustle was this word that kept coming up. Uh, Among you know students and professionals and creatives and artists and entrepreneurs and business leaders, it was everywhere. It's ubiquitous, right? That's hustles everywhere, and you can still say that. And I think to some degree, where it's almost like you really love the word or you really find it offensive and almost dehumanizing, right? And I think that the thing for us was, well, we thought you know maybe there's something to it. Maybe hustle really speaks to uh, something about human potential. Right. Which is to say that, like, maybe it's suggestive of uh, this force for ambition deep inside all of us, maybe even at a genetic level. Right. This desire for dreaming and doing on our own terms and thinking about how we might be able to do that, meaning how we might be able to, instead of copying someone else's model for life, creating our own framework for living, which is to say that, you know what? It's great that you're, you're doing X, Y, and Z, Mark. That's your, sort of your journey and your approach. I'm going to find another way to do it uh, on my own terms. And in the process, hmm. ask the questions like, who am I? Right? Do I really know myself? Um, where do I want to go? Like, what's the destination with, with, with what I'm doing? And then how do I get there? These are big, big questions that I, I believe and would argue that not enough of us really ask. Uh, on a regular basis, whether it's once a year, or once a month, or once a day, that's a tough question, right? But it's such a valuable question. So um, anyway, that became sort of the, the milieu or framework or background for why we started exploring the term. Uh, and then we started mapping around um, sort of the this, this zeitgeisty questions about, you know, again, dreaming and doing and um, how we might be able to uh, surface like a framework for how people can actually get ahead on their own terms and answer those key questions and looking at, um, again, ways to achieve some level or layer of creative or personal innovation in their lives. And then, uh, you know, take agency and be able to move themselves forward in unique ways in the world. And so that, that was the, the, the sort of the context. Um, then think more sort of deeply outside of what we were doing is like, you know, politically it was kind of an interesting time. Um, we're shifting out of this horrendous, uh, you know, economic uh, recession. And, you know, there at the same time, um, there's more innovation happening and more and more venture capital going into startups. And this whole shift to an incredibly wired or digital life that seems to be accelerating every day. So how do we make sense of all of that? Um, how do we sort of ride the wave to some degree that benefits ourselves and others? And so all of that's tied to, Kind of this quest for the why we work, what we what we define as really the meaning layer, um, the you know the the what the earnings that we make or how we build our confidence, which is really around the money layer, um, to sustain ourselves, and then this quest for momentum. Uh, momentum ties to energy. Hustle really is an energetic term, right? It's like how do we propel ourselves to get things done and to find more satisfaction in life. So all of these things sort of tie into. Um, the the pillars of the book and why we did it and and how we find fulfillment and so forth. Mm.
0: Yeah, for me, the way that I use the term hustle is just when I'm a hundred percent, you know, running towards my um, my vision, my uh, my dreams. Not necessarily in the, you know, kill yourself at work and get stressed out, which is going to lead to. This, this, and that, um, you know. To me, it's just kind of about like having a holistic life and the goals and ambitions that I want to do. And you know, one thing I liked about that is you know those pillars that you that you said you guys broke it up in. It's uh, head, heart, habits, um, and I, uh, I really like that.
1: Yeah, because I I think that it all sort of starts in the heart, right? And and this maps to. Um, what we call the, the three unseen laws. Um, but the mm. heart is like the key piece. It's like emotionally or energetically, um, how do we move forward? And like, you know, many of us, I mean, I would argue that maybe seven in 10 of us are unfulfilled on some level, especially when it comes to the work we do. We're doing work that uh, is not necessarily the most appealing. Uh, it doesn't really utilize or leverage our talents in the best way. And um, it can be very dangerous, so it's very important to like think about what are ways that I can do things that move me um, on an everyday basis, because it's going to be enriching. Again, number one, number two, um, we're going to learn things about ourselves when we when we put ourselves in motion and start exploring things in new ways. And and the other thing is like it's exciting, right? So you know the 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 whole idea or notion of the heart is uh, is the first you know again figure out a way to get unstuck if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like you're you're trapped on some level um, and maybe if it's some self-imposed friction like just learn to get out of your own way do something that moves you, puts you in motion that, that inspires your curiosity and eventually it's going to lead you back to again meaning money and momentum um, I would argue At least that's been our uh, experiences personally anecdotally and I think uh, with the interview subjects um, that we work with the book, we found consistently that was true, and it's not only true at the personal level. I think a lot of businesses as well, new ventures. Like you know, the reason you exist is to do something that moves you, so then you can therefore have some kind of impact on the world. And that's an exciting place to start. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, man. So, Jonas, were you ever in that position where you where you felt stuck, where you were doing something that wasn't fulfilling for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think. You know, you go through um, layers of, uh, you know, sort of feeling stuck, uh, feeling underappreciated, uh, you know, not believing in yourself, uh, not even giving yourself a chance to to have this sort of a life that is fulfilling, um, or to allow yourself to to develop your full potential. You know, we can talk ourselves out of anything. Uh, which is the reality, and so I think there have yeah. been multiple moments in my life that I reflect when uh, I chose to, one, like either accept that I was stuck and not do anything about it, or uh, preferably to say, you know what, there is a way out of this and a way forward. And the best thing for me to do is to start getting new perspective. And that's why I think, you know, getting back to where we started around travel or seeing the world with new eyes, seeing the world anew, this idea, or a- a- again, even more simplistically, like who am I and what, you know, why do I exist in the world, Right. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, there have been very clear moments. I mean, moments were like getting out of school strapped with debt, right? Or um, being in a job, for example, I can reflect on like one of the worst jobs I ever had, but simultaneously the best jobs I ever had. It was loading IRS tax returns into boxes, taking those boxes and filling, (laughs) I kid you not, semi-trailers, right? With these old tax returns. Okay. Like that. Can you imagine a worse job, right? <clears throat> Physically, it was kind of filling, right? But it was like—I mean, if you mm, think yeah. about like the, you know, the 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 doldrums, like the the horror, like that is not why you exist to live on the world. In the world, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, maybe that's an extreme yeah. example. And I've done a lot of weird jobs in my lifetime. Excuse me. Um, that's just like scratching the surface, you know. Uh, so I think. I think it's just like, you know, getting perspective and realizing like there's always an opportunity for, for subtle, simple and subtle changes and reinvention. If you apply your mind and have like a clear, conscious, psychological and proactive commitment to like, you know what, I can take very small steps to sort of (laughs) reorient my reality. And I'm going to do that. You know, you don't have to choose drudgery, you know, or being stuck.
0: You know, for me, when I've been in those same moments, um, you know, instead of, you know, for me, I think, you know, now that I look back at it and those moments, um, whenever those still arise today, um, and it's something sort of fundamental, I sort of use it as a uh, a stepping stone, as a foundation to kind of dig deeper within myself and kind of go to this next level mentally. Um, and for me, that's been a a great way that I've you know overcome and moved the path on my own life into a direction that you know I'm actually happy to live. That I'm actually um, like impressed with. And for me, like you know that IRS job t- doesn't sound too appealing, but. Like one thing I think about all the time is like i like I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but you know, sometimes I'm in the street and I just see people doing different kinds of jobs, or maybe I see the store and I see somebody doing something and I'm just like, Wow, I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing. Like for me, like the worst possible scenario for whatever reason is just like being a podiatrist, a doctor, a foot doctor, and seeing people's like um you know, all the different stuff that they'd come in to see if a, a foot doctor. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. That's, that to me is just, that's amazing. And like, you know, I think you've got to move towards something that moves you, you know?
1: No question. I mean, that's the whole point, right? There's this great quote that I'll share with you that, you know, in, in doing research for the book kind of bubbled up and it's like, Oh man, that's it. Like that, that captures it. If you've seen the movie, the war room, Uh, It's a documentary about uh, the campaign in 92. Uh, And I think it's a Pennebaker movie. Uh, There's this, you know, James Carville. That's sort of the end of the movie. uh, It's right before the election is decided. And he says, uh, there's a simple doctrine outside of a person's love. The most sacred thing that they can give is their labor. And somehow along the way, we tend to forget that labor is a very precious thing that you have. And anytime you can combine labor with love, you've made a merger. Right. So this idea that, like, oftentimes we might choose choose career or choose paths that we think are right for us at the time, we we and it's okay to make those mistakes because that teaches us. Making those mistakes teaches us that um, you know what, (laughs) we can be doing other things, and to allow ourselves to have that setback and feel that pain, again, is a really positive thing. We relate it to this idea of hormesis in the book. Just to say that there, you know, some small doses of pain can be a good thing. They can propel us forward. Um, and typically, the best kind of pain we can have are small doses of risk, right? Small doses of stress. Um, that's often understood. Like, mm. for example, if you're uh, training for an event, you're running, or you're, let's say, physically you're you're lifting weights or whatever you're doing. Um, you, you don't want to um, uh, not challenge yourself. On the contrary, you want to challenge yourself in some way because that's going to make you more resilient it's going to benefit you in ways that are unseen or unknown to you Uh, and so that's why you know if you think about like um you know if you have uh, an accident or injured and say you know you break your arm your muscles atrophy uh, you begin to rebuild right and you can use resistance training to do so so take on a small bit of risk in this case to you know uh, rebuild your muscles and that eventually is going to allow you to um strengthen yourself over time. So if you choose a crappy job, something that you hate doing, like live it 100%, you know what I'm saying? It's like endure the pain and then move on. Like you know how bad things can be. And you've got to you got to mm. find your bottom or your base before you start building yourself back up. And that's okay. If you started at the top, right? How would you ever know you know what I'm saying? So,
0: like, a little misery can be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Use the pain, use it. Um, so Jonas, how did you? Were you somebody that always thought about mental wellness? Was it something that, um, you were you were conscious of? Because you know, honestly, for me, you know, probably up until I was like seventeen sixteen, I didn't even know what the word mental health was. I mean I mean I was a pretty not so intelligent kid, but um, was it always a subject of of interest for you and you know how did how did you first become interested in and, and conscious of it?
1: Uh, so I think or aware? observation was the initiator. I recall very, very clearly right now at this moment, walking through Grand Central Station and seeing, you know, homeless people um, or bag ladies or folks talking to themselves and, and just looking really disheveled. And being, that is a mm. human being. That's someone's mother or their father or their brother or sister right, or aunt or uncle or whatever. And they're by themselves, um, in a, mm. not in a, probably a, a great state. Um, and that's not to, you know, by any means um, diminish them as a human being. It's just to, to recognize like that is just like anyone else. That could be me on the one hand, right? On the other hand, I've always been kind of an empath. So, <clears throat> you know, having just a, a capacity to care about other people and seeing how uh, how hard life can be for a lot of people and just them not having the toolkit to deal. Like if you think about veterans, and I've worked with veterans <clears throat> and I've worked with teams that, that continue working with veterans uh, in helping them deal with, uh, you know, post-combat life a lot of folks are still dealing with tremendous degrees of ptsd right uh <clears throat> and when you're given that kind of intensity of experience like how do you adjust to the world or if it's just someone who's been through you know incredible emotional abuse in their life or sexual abuse got forbid, or whatever it might be like i realize that there are a lot of people hurting right now and if you look at the statistics you know <clears throat> rates of depression now are I'm almost off the chart uh only second excuse me second only to i'd say anxiety but it's like one in five of us on a daily basis has some degree of really uh, uh, profound anxiety uh, real anxiety whether it's social anxiety or it's uh, triggered by um, some other experience uh, or our own thoughts for that matter but fear is a big piece of it there's huge fear fear is so rampant these days terrible thing Uh, and then depression is pervasive as well Um, and then if you look at you know more recently like what's going on in terms of Prominent like celebrities taking their own lives—it's a horrific thing, right? It's like Bourdain. I was very fond of Anthony Bourdain. I thought he was great as a journalist, and uh, you know, being a sort of an anthropologist and storyteller myself, I really enjoyed his work. I'm in travel, and to see him take his own life is tragic, you know, needless for that matter. And so, you know, I guess getting back to your question, it's really about observation and like tapping into what is humanity experiencing right now um, in different contexts. If it's the work world, you know, they might be depressed because they're doing the wrong work. And then that feeds into their life in negative ways and being mindful of that and dealing with it and addressing it, right? But hence, hustle is focused on helping you find your own talents and find your own way in the world in a way that will make you feel uh, more confident in giving you more agency and hopefully find your tribe in the process. Because what we know, Mark, is like, you know, two big indicators in terms of our health and wellness. Like, I don't know if you know what they are, but the, what we surfaced, I mean, I'd love to hear your opinion before I go there. But like, what are two of the big or key determinants that um, give you a sense of meaning and fulfillment in life, or or joy, in, in your mind for you personally? Hmm.
0: Connectivity and purpose.
1: Okay, yeah. So so connectivity and purpose are two big pieces. And what we found in terms of the determinants, you know, we might label it slightly differently. Um, so purpose might relate to confidence right? Meaning Mm. the agency to change things for the better, whether it's your own life or your relationships with other people, um, your significant other or your your friends and family, or uh, when it comes to your work, what we were talking about, you know, finding meaning through your work and also just having the capacity to try and explore new things in the world, right? Creating opportunities. That's very important. So having a sense of confidence. And the other one, you know, or purpose, as you call it, and another one is um, a sense of belonging. And, and that really speaks to the group or tribe that you choose to, to associate with, right? Or have an affinity for and developing empathy, right? It's, it's finding people who you care about and who care about you reciprocally and deepening and strengthening those bonds. That's like, if you have a sense of confidence and work toward that, and you have a sense of belonging and work toward that, you're probably going to set yourself up for a relatively healthy life now of course that rules out things like you know what you eat and how you sleep and exercise and so forth um, mm. um, and where you live and environmental toxins and whatnot but on the whole it's like <clears throat> what i choose to see and the work i choose to do in the mental wellness space that's only one aspect of what i do in this world and how i use my time it's like i know there are a lot of people struggling and hurting um, and it's not simply for economic reasons many of them are But it's just also having a a better canvas for making decisions that impact you positively and those around you positively, and that again you know boils back down to having clarity and being able to step back and gain perspective. Those things are really really important for the as far as the mental health work and wellness. A lot of these things are just serendipitous, you know, opportunities being attached to people and and ideas that are really meaningful and important and worth exploring. Like I hate to see a sick society, you know, and, and Mental health to me is one of the absolute um, key determinants of how we are able to move forward and evolve in the world and hopefully do good and uh, make people's lives better.
0: So when you were at the beginning of this, when you were saying that, you know, when you were at the the, the train station or whatever, or you'd see homeless people and Is that something that you would always see people, um, or, or starting to be aware of, you know, someone talking to themselves or someone that's obviously not ill. I mean, that is ill that, that is someone's, you know, mom or dad or daughter or son.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was part of it, but look closer to home and a much more personal level. You know, my mom was institutionalized when I was a child. Um, she's a brilliant genius. Uh, you know, who bootstrapped our way from poverty into, um, you know, Harvard law school. Right. Uh, And, you know, there is a fine line between Mm -hmm. um, sort of genius and madness. And oftentimes we find that with many of our um, artistic uh, folks in the world who've done really important and meaningful work. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also true of like among entrepreneurs, like look at how many entrepreneurs are, completely self-deluded or some of the most deluded people in the world are entrepreneurs because we mm. have to be we're the big dreamers in the world right the same is true of artists it's almost like this mystical connection with madness that we share that's <laughs> because we're the, the sort of the non-conformers who really move the world forward to borrow from you know steve jobs and sort of the whole apple parlance it's true and you know normal people typically you know they they, they can do amazing things but i think you have to be a little crazy not a lot crazy, a little crazy Mm. to move the needle. Uh, And, you know, more recently, if you follow the press around, you know, have to date this, this podcast, but like what's happened with Elon Musk, right?
0: Mm.
1: He's walking that line. um, Obviously dealing with (laughs) unbelievable stress, you know, stress that's off the charts and anxiety, right? You know, will Tesla survive? Well, you know, I think Tesla's doing incredible work and I think they'll do, they'll continue to do so, but there's so many naysayers and haters out there. It's like, You know, that's one aspect of it. I mean, I think in his case, there are other sort of self-imposed challenges. He's probably doing too much and like way beyond the the pale of of normal uh, uh, work, work work-life balance for that matter. But I think, look, man, um, you know, we have an obligation, I would argue, to take care of ourselves. We really do. And um, in observing people and like on a, a personal level, again, knowing that those who are closest to us can have real challenges, whether it's you know depression or manic depression or um, suicidal ideation or whatever. Uh, it's we have an obligation to try to understand what's happening in their minds, to feel some degree of compassion for them, to help them in small ways. We can't help everyone. Okay, my little brother Benny was a musical prodigy, brilliant writer, uh, talented, a naturalist, mm-hmm. and he took his own life in April. And uh, you know he was <clears throat> was only thirty five. Man, and he had his whole life ahead of him. But for whatever reason, he just wasn't equipped with the coping tools, um, you know, and and I think it's just one of those things that's going to haunt me the rest of my life because uh, knowing that <clears throat> he was suffering is, a, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow. Um, but at the same time, you know, knowing that he's not suffering anymore, and again, back to the point of sometimes you do lose people, uh, gives me some degree of, of solace, but it's, it's never an easy thing. It's a tragic um you know, biting loss that, that uh, it really eats away at you. And, and it's, um, you can't replace it, you know, so you have to be, have some degree of gratitude again for the limited time that you have with people you love because you never know. And it doesn't mean it's going to be suicide. It could be any, e, hmm. you know, it could be getting run over by a bus. It could be some horrific illness that strikes these things you can't control, but the things that you can control are the, you know, the sacred moments you have together. And those memories are indelible and, you know, I still I choose to believe that Benny is now in heaven and in a much better place. Uh, God, I hope so. And that, again, you know, gives me some degree of comfort, but it's always painful to lose people who are so close Man. to you.
0: Sorry to hear that. Um, Thank you. You know, Jonas, I think, you know, I think that's ultimately, you know, what it comes down to. And, You know, for me, I am unbelievably passionate in the mental wellness field because, you know, for one, I have some pretty close um, affiliations. But, you know, ultimately, like you, I understand that it's sort of the root problem. Not problem, but, you know, once you address that, you know it it is the you know it it is the mind of us and and you know once you address that you can start to you know really get into the other things once you have the root issue addressed um so you know i definitely think that the mental wellness space is something that you know is just beginning and you know i can't wait to see where it goes and you know, in regards to sort of, you know, what's going on today, um, you know, I think technology has opened our eyes to a lot of different things. Like we have access to a lot more statistics and whatnot, and we're seeing way more data now. Um, and by that same virtue, you know, I also believe that, um, you know, the the, the future of intelligence and mental health and how we even look at the brain and you can just see the evolution of how it's culturally evolved just like you know every 10 years there's or every 20 years there's some sort of a a change and i think eventually it'll just get to that point where you know mental health is just going to be considered a, a fluke a tweak in the system that you know, we may not necessarily have the answers for today, um, <clears throat> but I know I know it's happening. Uh, I know there's a lot of different um, interesting organizations out there from, um, you know, people doing different, you know, immersion therapies with virtual reality to uh, psychedelics all the way to, you know, I had somebody on my show a couple weeks ago, Brian Johnson. He runs the kernel o s fund, and you know one of his companies is you know planning in the middle of augmenting human intelligence, the brain, and you know I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I just think that you know the way that we're sort of looking at all these mental health aspects of our world today. I just feel like they're going to fundamentally shift in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years and we're going to start to um, really become more aware of this and start to get more solutions so more people that um, you know can get back to living, you know, their their fulfilled lives without, you know, undergoing the pain and the the misery that that comes along with that. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> Look, it's a profound question. You know, how do we deal with
1: this adequately in such a way that people have the tools and are open or comfortable even broaching the topic? I think for so many families uh, and so many individuals, there's such a stigma, right? And that's, that is a historical legacy that I think we can improve on. Certainly, like my involvement and my partners for that matter, uh, you know, Dr. John Dempster and, and Ross McKenzie, uh, you know, we started the Mental Wellness Summit uh, with starting that question, like how do we broaden the conversation and get back to root cause resolution of symptoms that people are feeling. You know, and we were able to launch, and we're now on four continents with over 100,000 subscribers, and that's great. But that's a drop in the bucket, you know, when you talk about sort of you know archetypes and dealing with meaningful challenges, like okay, the stigma of mental health well, why don't we call it mental wellness to begin with, right? Why don't we move from illness to wellness and from stigma to humanity? Because we're all humans. We all have minds. Not everyone can get their head together perfectly. You know, it's like Jimi Hendrix of all people. I mean, he died when he was, what, 27? There's this great quote he had, which was, in order to change the world, you have to get your head together first, right? Okay, so if you want to get your head together, well, that's going to take some work. And often for people, it's very painful. Depending on what they've been through and their their arc of life, um, but the good the good thing is that there are incredible tools out there that we made giant leaps forward in terms of um, care and healing modalities, uh, or you know how we have to you know whatever we need that will get us to a point where we have more clarity and feel better about the world and ourselves and our place in it. Um, for many people, that's you know commonly a pill. For other people, mm. it's talk therapy. Um, For others, it's a group therapy. For others, it's getting exercise and spending time in nature every day. Or it might be some combination of, you know, 20 different healing modalities. And for us, like, mental wellness is really about it's using tools that work for you, experimenting in some ways, and finding out, you know, how to make yourself feel good when you get up in the morning. Like, I I don't know about you, Mark. I wake up with, like, a smile on my face. My wife tells me that when I'm asleep, She'll look at me and I have this huge grin on my face, Mm -hmm. okay? Which means I'm either having a great dream (laughs) uh, or like I am genuinely, I have like a joy for life. And then I get up in the morning and that tends to pervade or carry through um, the rest of what I do every day. So there is genuinely a sense of like, yeah, there's a purpose there. You know, you don't always have the same purpose, but you feel, you know, aligned in such a way that you feel alive. You feel vibrant. Um, you feel like you're, you're, you are you're matter and that you're having an impact on some level. And that's really a big piece of it. As far as what the future brings, God, I hope we fix the yeah. problem. I think it's going to take a village. One of the projects I'm working on, just so you know, in light of Benny's death, um, it was interesting. I was in a meeting with a drummer and our, now our executive producer who started a, a, the Sims Foundation here in Austin, which is um, a nonprofit dedicated to helping musicians uh, get treatment for you know their their mental health challenges um and and it's uh you know 501c3 501c3 excuse me and so we were like well why don't we do a documentary about it a few weeks later benny took his own life and then like the urgency hit us Mm. like okay we we really need to move on this and so we uh started this journey of a film called we care here and We've gotten incredible support. We're hoping to move into production um, later this fall. The team is incredible. We have one of the, the leads at, um, at Vice. If you know Vice, he's one of our uh, DPs on the project and I'm writing and producing. My brother's directing and, and Don, our, our um, executive producers, helping bring the whole team together. And it's just been incredible, the level of support. So the, you know, to answer your question, is like it's going to take a lot of different people doing a lot of great projects, broadening the conversation, so that yeah, it does become sort of um, second nature. Like, of course, everyone has um, some challenges that they, they can deal with, whether it's anxiety, depression, or whatever, addiction, sleep disorders for that matter, di- mm. you know, digital addiction, whatever. Uh, but being honest about it to begin with, and then learning to get like there are there is help for you. So don't isolate. You know, try to to find help and at least talk to other people and try to keep an open mind about it.
0: Mm. Yeah. Very well said, Jonas. So, you know, sort of start wrapping up here. What are some of the maybe call it healing, maybe call it coping mechanism, maybe call it, um, you know, developmental habits that you do to, um, you know, keep your, keep your, your heart and your head going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, well, you know, I, I think this is very idiosyncratic and subjective for me. It's, um, you know, one, trying to get out of my own way. Right? And mm. so I think it's like looking at life every day as this blank, infinite canvas for possibility. Number one. Within that canvas, guess what, Mark? There are other people. Mm. And so you want to spend time with people who are supportive, uh, who help kind of feed your, your energy or meaning. And um, and I think, you know, beyond that, it's just developing rituals, So part of the ritual is like, I do a lot of walking, whether I'm in New York or LA or Austin or Mexico city, um, I'm constantly on the move. And I do that because I'm able to observe the world and feel like I'm really part of it. I'm not isolated in any way. That's really important to me. Okay. Talking to people who are important to you in your own life, like making sure that, you know, know you're not alone. That's a big piece of it. Spending time in nature. there's a great thing called the nature fix. A great book. Actually, I recommend and you know scientifically, you know knowing that you need to like disconnect from your devices, mm. you know, and we all are probably too reliant on our devices these days, especially those who are ambitious like us. Like it's okay to turn it off and to step away. It's actually very important. Mm. Um, and so I, I argue that that's that's a big piece of it. And then feeling really connected, you know, as we talked about, like finding your tribe, finding a sense of belonging, taking a lot of risks. They don't have to be massive risks. Small risks every day. Again, that's where the learning and discovery comes in. So all of these things are important. And then of course, doing yoga and meditating, getting exercise, clearing my lungs, like, you know, stepping back and resetting all of those pieces are hugely, hugely important. The one challenge I will um, admit is sleep for me. And uh, part of it is a a genetic predisposition. Uh, My dad was not the best sleeper nor nor is my mom. And so, you know, (laughs) You're fighting that to some degree mm. and i think that you know developing really healthy rituals like turning things off and you know finding out like a dietary regimen that works for you mm. and you know things of that nature make a you know they're subtle but they make a huge huge difference so you know those things are really important to me especially you know with a little girl on the way i'm having a, a girl in, in the spring um super super excited about like what that journey is going to bring to me and like how incredibly deeply enriching Um, That's going to to make my life on top of what I already have. And I already feel um, incredibly blessed in many respects, you know. So so developing the rituals, uh, having a sense of gratitude, those things are really, really key. And then also, like, finding ways to challenge yourself. You know, so I'm currently, as I mentioned, working on the We Care Here film. Um, I'm advising a startup called Sparrow.io, developing the next layer for Mental Wellness Summit and Radical Wellness Um, launching a new venture in New York in the spring. Like there are all of these incredible opportunities in addition to, um, you know, finishing up a a screenplay for a feature film that I'm working on. So it's like, look, life is very rich and very full um, at the same time, stepping back uh, and unplugging is a big piece of, of what makes life meaningful. So it's, it's finding that necessarily balance, but finding a rhythm that really works for you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Jonas, where can people connect with you um you know if they want to learn more about yourself
1: sure uh the best thing to do is to, <laughs> actually that's a great question there's so many ways to, to answer this but i think um on, in like you know on the social world tweeting is always great i'm, I'm very responsive on the dm uh, end of things mm. that's one i'm not super active on facebook uh and there's like, a whole other conversation about social media versus anti-social media. <laughs> we, we can put that off for another conversation another time. But uh, certainly Twitter is an easy way to do it. Um, and I think just you know, JonasKoffler.com, Uh You can also um, you know, see my projects at kaffapictures.com um, or visit me at any of my ventures, as I mentioned. So spara.io is um, driving the, the freedom economy for, for you know, solopreneurs and freelancers and so forth. We're doing some great work there. Um, you know, mental wellness summit is a good way to uh, find out about some of the work that we've done in trying to help people deal with uh, emotional, emotional and, and mental well being. And um, beyond that, you know, I'm out speaking quite often, Mark. So I'm doing a big talk uh, coming up at the end of the month here in New York, and then another one at Fest Forums in nice. Santa Santa Barbara um, in next month. So look, you know, I'm, I'm out and about. Uh, you will probably run into me at the coffee shop, wherever you are, uh, I might be there. And uh, if, if not, uh, Rehustle. you'll get to, to sort of um, know who I am and what I care about. And, and the same is true for Neil and, and Patrick, because we think it's, uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. And at the same time, um, yes. there's still a lot of people in pain. So whatever I can do to help uh, your mm-hmm. listeners, I'm happy to do.
0: That's amazing, man. Jonas, the final thing that I like to do with my guests is have them leave the audience with a self-inquisitive question. I know the, those cognitive tools have been major for me, and I'd really appreciate it. Feel off my audience a question.
1: One big, big question is, um, "Who am I?" Right, and it's existential. Mm-hmm. And I think getting up every day and asking yourself, "Who am I?" and if you can answer it in a way that gives you a sense of meaning and a sense of clarity, then, um, then I think it was going to add tremendous value and import to your life. And you know, this stems from, look at sort of the classics, the, um, the, the forecourt at the Temple of, of Apollo at Delphi in Greece had that question, <laughs> right? Like, who am mm-hmm. I, right? And, and the whole idea, like, to know thyself, as Thales said, that is the most difficult. To know thyself, that is the most difficult. So ask yourself the question, "Who am I?"
0: I love it. It's one of my favorite questions, Jonas. Jonas, thank you so much for coming on, man. That went much better than I expected to be. To be totally honest with you, and I hope everyone out there had as much, um, you know, enjoyment listening to this as much as I did. Jonas, you're without a doubt a human 2.0, my friend, and someone to watch for. Many years to come. And uh, I hope you had a fantastic time listening to this. This has been your host, Mark Metry. Damn, you made it till the end of the podcast. That's really rare in the age of digital distraction. This really means the world to me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my website, Mark Metry or message me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned in this episode, and I'll be sure to get in touch with you. And if you really, really love the podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on iTunes right now and left me a review. It helps way more than you know. Let's get this Humans 2.0 grassroots movement going. Woo! Get out there and do something impactful today.